This is a reading from the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those who are new with us, my name's Paul. I am the senior pastor here. It's a joy to spend this morning with you. I think today's passage is going to surprise you, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for some time. It, it packs some punches and it has a beautiful invitation no matter where you are in life. And the message title today is The Situational Defiance of Rejoicing. The situational defiance of rejoicing. But before we dive into God's word, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Have you ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? In the kids book titled Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, which I'm holding here, there's this kid named Alexander and he shares over and over again how awful his day is with his family member and his friends. For instance, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth. Now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink where the water was running and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. In the carpool, Mrs. Gibson let Becky have a seat by the window. Audrey and Elliot got seats by the window too. I said I was going to be scrunched. I was going to be smushed. I said, if I don't get a seat by the window, I'm going to get car sick. No one even answered. I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And there were two cupcakes. This one hits. This one hits. <laughs> Takes me back. There were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag, and Albert got a Hershey bar with almonds, and Paul's mother gave him a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on the top. Guess whose mother forgot to put in a dessert? It was a terrible, horrible, no good. And on and on, Alexander goes, showing how awful his life is. Furthermore, every few pages, the kid remarks, I think I'll move to Australia. I'm going to move to Australia. Australia. As if that's going to solve the world's problems. Finally, at the end of the book, Alexander's mom basically comforts him and says, some days are just terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. And are you ready for it, One Fellowship? She then tells her son, some days are bad days. Yes, very bad days even in 
Australia. And then the book ends. Friends, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. We all have them, don't we? How are we to face them? Like Alexander, are we to moan and groan and hope for a change in scenery? If I could only move to this place with this person and ditch these problems, I'd be good. I'd be solid. Let's all move to Slovenia. For some reason, Slovenia came up a lot during COVID. Multiple people said, let's move to Slovenia. I don't know what it is about Slovenia. Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to change the scenery. Or maybe you're the type that just lives in denial, who just makes light of life's problems, who says, I'm good, I'm fine, when asked how you're doing, how you're really doing. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you're the conquering sort, right? This problem, I'll push through it. This difficulty, I'll overcome it. This complexity, I'll solve it. Do we have any conquer the world types joining us today? Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. They're part of life. In faith, excuse me, in faith, how are we to face them? How are we to face seasons where there's very, very bad days? Well, these questions and this reality lie at the heart of our passage this morning, which leads us to the big idea we'll see from Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven. Friends, in an act of situational defiance, the follower of Jesus can rejoice at all times knowing Jesus is both close and Lord of all. In an act of situational defiance, I wanted to use rebellion, but my wife said, use the word defiance. So in an act of situational defiance, the follower of Jesus can rejoice at all times knowing Jesus is both close and Lord of all. And we're gonna unpack this through big, three, excuse me, this big idea through three points today. Point one, rejoicing transcends all uh, circumstances and offenses. Point two, rejoicing finds confidence in the proximity of Jesus. And then point three, rejoicing finds peace in the sovereignty of Jesus. So let's begin. Point one, rejoicing transcends all circumstances and offenses. Beginning with verse four, we read, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's how Paul starts our passage. 16 times, 16 times in the book of Philippians, Paul uses the word joy as a baseline for Christian living. So what is joy from a biblical perspective? Well, as we saw in the first week of our series on Philippians, joy is our capacity to know that we are loved at all times and for all time in the gospel together. Meaning joy is more than a feeling. And listen, it's more than an option. Rather, joy for the believer is a necessity, a necessity, according to one theologian, by which we continually identify and celebrate our ultimate security in Jesus. That's what joy is from a biblical perspective. And friends, right out of the gate, I want us to note, dare I say, how, uh, how defiant Paul is in calling us to joy compared to what culture calls us to rejoice in. Rejoice in your fame. No. Rejoice in your financial security. No, friend. 
Rejoice in your family, no. Rejoice in your heritage, no, one fellowship. Rejoice in your home, no. Rejoice in your good looks, no, fam. Rejoice in your good health, no. Rejoice in your good deeds, no, church. Rejoice in your good fortune, no. Paul doesn't say any of these things. He says, rejoice in whom or what? Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. In other words, true joy, lasting joy, gospel joy is not limited to your circumstances or your surroundings, either good or bad. No, true joy is based fully, securely, and solely in the Lord, in Jesus. And Paul says, Georgiana, Steve, don't miss this. 16 times in this letter, he says, friends, don't miss this. Rejoice in the Lord. In other words, don't tie your sense of self or well-being to anything or anyone else. Rejoice in whom? The Lord. When? Always. Now, church, let's bring this into the room and just acknowledge something. We need to keep this real. This can be really hard. Rejoice when? All, all times? Always? Even when we face a betrayal, a diagnosis, a loss, or an unexpected transition, rejoicing can be hard, right? It could almost seem tone deaf, right? Well, what are we to make of Paul's words? Well, we need to understand something. We need to see something in the context of Paul's life as he wrote this letter. The joy Paul speaks of here is not just some game show joy based on happenstance. It's not shallow and it's not cheap. No, the joy Paul speaks of first flows from his own experience of going through some stuff. Like you and like me, Paul's gone through some stuff. In fact, he's gone through a lot of stuff. Hear these words from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Five times, I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. I wouldn't get on a ship again, would you? Three times, I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in Danger from rivers, from robbers, from my own people, from Gentiles. Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, Paul writes. Moreover, we know through the context of this book that even as he wrote the book of Philippians, he was sitting in a Roman jail cell or Roman confinement facing possible death, a death sentence by the Romans. And still, with all that, Kevin, what does he say? Rejoice. He holds up his chains and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. You see, for Paul, joy was defiant. Joy was transcendent. Joy was di divine. Rejoice in the Lord it all comes back to the Lord, not our circumstances. It's about knowing that Jesus paid the ultimate price to set us free and rose from the grave to secure a transformational victory. Elsewhere, we read these words, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Romans 8, right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, we read in Romans 8. Total, 
absolute security in Jesus. That's where we need to find our hope and our love and our peace and our joy. Situational, situationally defiant and ever-present joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, before moving on from this point one, I want us to see one more little nugget. I don't know if you call it this, but we read these words, let your gentleness be evident to all. Did you catch that? If you're like me, you might be tempted to think gentleness means soft or be a Christian pushover, but that's the furthest thing from the truth. No, this word gentleness in the original language means, listen, to have the courage and self-control to rise above offenses, recognizing that Jesus and not you or me is the ultimate judge. That's gentleness from a biblical perspective. In other words, we don't need to act or react when someone acts unjustly towards us. We don't. For it's Jesus and Jesus alone who's the ultimate Lord or kurios as we studied in Philippians 2. Thus again, Paul is saying, calling, excuse me, calling for a holy defiance in our passage. And it all flows from having a relationship with Jesus and trusting him above all things and everyone. So point one, rejoicing transcends whatever you're facing, whatever offense has come at you. Rejoicing is meant to transcend that. Why? Because we trust in Jesus above all things and all people. Point two, rejoicing finds confidence in the proximity of Jesus. The passage continues, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now allow me to share another story. On December 10th, 2021, a terrible tornado struck Western Kentucky and left a lot of death and destruction in its wake. Included in the devastation was the Mayfield Consumer Products Candle Factory, where the factory was completely destroyed. Nine lives were lost and over a hundred more were injured. For all who followed the reports about this tragedy, the news was horrible, so hard to watch. Still one story from that night, that evening, stood out to me and still has stuck with me. And it centers on a local man from Mayfield called the Reverend Stephen Boykin, who with many other locals that night, as soon as they learned about the devastation with Mayfield, ran to the factory trying to save their friends and their neighbors from their small Kentucky town. As Boykin shared with CNN, when he first approached the facility and began climbing over the debris that night, he heard the voice, the voice of a woman crying out beneath him in the rubble. He then followed the voice and he eventually found a woman trapped beneath a collapsed wall. And all the pastor could see that night was her hand. All he could see was her hand. And when he told her he'd found her and that help was on the way, she asked him just one question, one question. Can you hold my hand? Can you hold my hand? The woman wanted to know if Boykin would stay with her and hold her hand. So that's what the man did. He stayed with her. 
he held her hand, and eventually she was saved. Oh, the power of relationship. Oh, the power of proximity in relationship. The power of someone who not only will hear our voice, but hold our hand and stick with us to the very end. The Lord is near, Josh. The Lord is near, Pam, Paul tells us. And bringing this into the room, friends, hear this today. The Lord is near. No matter what you're going through this morning, Jim, the Lord is near. That's what we need to hear. You're dealing with an addiction. The Lord is near. You're dealing with a broken relationship. The Lord is near. You're dealing with a child who's struggling. The Lord is near. You're dealing with a bad health report. Friends, the Lord is near. Friends, outside of the promise of the resurrection, these might be the most important words in the whole Bible. The Lord is near. And Paul shares these words not to frighten us, but to cool the fire of anxiety that often rages within us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, God knows we struggle. He knows we drown. Moreover, he knows we need help. Listen, I don't know about you, but um, what you know or don't know about the Bible, but this is important for us to understand. In the pages of the Bible, there's a common thread that we're meant to see, and it's this. The greatest good for God's people was not found in their own perfection, but in the proximity they had to the Lord over and over again in the Bible. The greatest good of God's people, as we read the Bible from beginning to end, was not found in perfection, but proximity to the Lord. Do you remember, for instance, what God said to Joshua to encourage the Israelites as they were called to go into the promised land? Listen, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you remember David's words in Psalm 16? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you remember Jesus' own words as he commissioned the disciples in what's known as the Great Commission? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then how's he end it? Brandon, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One fellowship, these are crazy words. Let them land. If they're true, they're game-changing words. Mel, the Lord is near. Denise, the Lord is near. This is at the heart of God's word and it's at the heart of the gospel message. The Lord is near. And this means Jesus cares about you and he cares about me and he hears our cries, which is exactly why Paul encourages us to pray. In every situation, Garth, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Friends, what if we dared to take Paul in God's word, at its own word. What if we dared to pray? What if we dared to believe that the Lord is near? 
Whenever we felt a stressor, that stress level, anxiety level bubbling up, what if we dared to say something like, God, your word says you love me and you're near to me. You care for me. Thus, I bring this and this and this and this to you today, trusting in you and giving thanks that I'm your kid. And I know it's gonna work out all right. Your word says nothing can separate me from your love. Thank you. What if we dared to do that? What if you dared to do that today? Pray like that, rejoice like that, trust like that. In the words of Bishop N.T. Wright, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Don't you just love that? If it matters to you, it matters to God. Meaning it can be great or small, but we can bring absolutely everything to God because he loves us and is near to us. Lou, the Lord is near. Jan, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This leads us to point three. Rejoicing finds peace in the, the sovereignty of God. The passage concludes, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, one more story. One more story, fam. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but I grew up in a small Florida town called Lake Wales, Florida. Anyone else grew up in Florida in here? Give me a nod. Yeah, hands up. Lake Wales is about an hour and a half east of Tampa and an hour or so south of Orlando. I'm sure we all have vacations planned to visit. Listen, in this small little town, my dad was a businessman, a faithful businessman. He owned multiple car dealerships and commercial properties. And unfortunately, for a time when I was a kid, my dad had a problem with thieves who kept breaking into our Chevrolet dealership and stealing cars and parts. It was a mess. Even as a kid, I remember it was a mess. It was a huge stressor, and it was costing my dad a lot of money. Consequently, through the urging of an employee, my dad took drastic measures and put up a large fence on each side of his building and then did this. He bought two big guard dogs. He did. He bought two of these. Anyone know what kind of dog this is, Kimberly? Doberman. Doberman. Kimberly owns a Doberman, she already confided in me. Yes, a Doberman pincher. My dad bought two giant Doberman pinchers. And let me tell you, they were psycho. <laughs> they were. They guarded my dad's dealership as if their lives depended on it. To this day, I have no idea where they came from or who trained them, or if that person is still alive. They guarded my dad's vehicles with an unbridled passion. Now shifting back to our passage, that's the way God cares for us, according to Paul. Did you catch it? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard or literally garrison or protect from hostile invasion 
your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? In other words, you are completely secure in Jesus. This is a military term Paul pulls out to call us to pray and to have faith and to persevere. You and I are secure as we trust Jesus, cry out to Jesus, follow Jesus, and hold his hand in prayer. As the sovereign Lord, he's not only close, listen, he's strong, he's strong. And he promises you and me peace, shalom, well-being. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So rejoicing finds peace in the sovereignty of Jesus. So to close, allow me to share a quote and a call to action. Quote, a call to action. First, the quote. This comes by way of one of my favorite authors and pastors, Kent Hughes. Looking back at his life, he writes, as I reflect on my 50 plus years in Christ, it is indeed God who has kept me. It is not my grip on God that has made the difference, but it is his grip on me. I'm not confident in my own goodness. I'm not confident in my character. I'm not confident in my history. I'm not confident in my reverend persona. I'm not confident in my perseverance, but I'm confident in God. Friends, where does your joy and confidence come from today? Is it in yourself? Is it in your circumstances, good or bad? Or is it in the Lord? This is an invitation for all of us. Rejoice in the Lord, always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Mitzi 16 times the apostle tells us to rejoice. And to rejoice in Jesus alone. This leads us to a call to action. It's really simple. But I invite us to pray to pray every single time we wake up and look in the mirror this week. Start a new rhythm of how we start our day. Start with rejoicing. Give thanks for one thing each day when you first look in the mirror. And then continue by lifting up one prayer request, big or small, that you're facing that day. And then conclude by asking God to give you his peace by way of his presence. And then say amen and walk in that confidence, not in your circumstances, but knowing the Lord cares for you and is near to you. Would you be so bold as to say a simple, thankful, humble prayer every day as you wake up this week? Start a new rhythm. Again, our big idea in an act of situational defiance, the follower of Jesus can rejoice like Paul at all times, knowing Jesus is both close and Lord of all. You see, when we have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, yes, friends, we can still rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Let us pray. God, right now, we come to you right where we are in our life, our circumstances, 
some very difficult situations. Maybe we're facing, maybe family members are facing. Thank you for hearing us, for being near to us. And today we pray for, I'm just gonna create some silent space, some white space for you to pray. Lord, today I bring this person to you. Lord, today I bring this situation to you. Hear the cry of my heart. Thank you that nothing can separate your love from me. And it's in that love we give thanks. For our good and your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.